Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. And welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. That's Allie like Prince <laughs> or Cher. No last name. Iconic. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Do y'all like zombies? Are you into zombies? Do you do uh, the zombie genre? I think out of horror, it's probably my least favorite creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think being an even spread of different aged millennials, it was right during our formative years that zombies were like a thing. A huge thing. Like post 9-11, zombies were like the thing. And I was so over it within like a year. I have such mixed feelings because... I'm not a fan of zombies, but then some of my favorite things are zombies. Mm. Um, Like the Walking Dead comics are amazing. Notice we did not say the show. (laughs) I do enjoy the show, but it's not the same. Let me tell you, that show stopped being good once they left the prison compound. And yeah, it's just trashy. Sorry. I don't even think I got to the prison compound in Walking Dead. That's unfortunate because, like, that's the good part. What makes post-apocalyptic zombie genre stuff interesting is the survivalism and community building. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't have that, it's just assholes running around trying to not get killed by zombies. Mm -hmm. Which is all The Walking Dead is, except for that part where they're at the fucking prison compound. And it's interesting. And they're farming. And they have horses. And it's really cool. And then they're like, nah. We want to be boring. (laughs) Yeah, I think I may have seen a little bit of it, which I do remember. I think um, I quit during the really gruesome childbirth scene in the prison. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm done with this. Yeah. And World War Z, the book, is one of my all-time favorite books. Yeah. And it's literally nothing to do with that. It's about zombies. It's just how it's told. Right. Um, and there's an Irish zombie movie. I'm forgetting the movie. That's fantastic. And 28 Days Later. So, like, yeah. I'm not a fan of zombies, but at the same time, some of the best things are zombies. Yeah. I am interested in the things that use zombie tropes and do them differently Mm. as opposed to the things that are very quintessentially zombie-ish or like, I don't know. What am I trying to say here? I like Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) I like Shaun of the Dead. I don't know. I feel like it uses a lot of classic Mm -hmm. tropes, but it's much more interesting than a lot of other zombie shit. And the all-time masterpiece, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Oh (laughs) Oh my god, yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, fucking were-cats and the zombies. And witch-women. Nostalgia. Mm Mm-hmm. I like kind of what Allie was talking about with World War Z. I like in that. Mm-hmm. So not the movie. The movie is A bad. trash. I like in the book, instead of focusing on the zombies, it's like 
the world is invested with zombies. This is how America reacts. Mm-hmm. This is how North Korea reacts. This is like how zombies live in the ocean. Like, oh my gosh, right. the ocean and the frozen. Yes, are my favorite parts. So I always thought that was interesting. I also do love Shaun of the Dead, but I really like mm-hmm. that director. He's the same one who did Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, Baby Driver. I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. Zombies are having a resurgence right now. I do know the zombie movie that just came out on Netflix. I have not seen it myself. It, I saw it. it did was, you enjoy it? What um, is it? Shit, what is it called? It's Zack Snyder. He's got yes. his hands in every element. He is like writing, directing, and producing that. Army, Army of, of the, the dead. dead. I think that one really melds the genre of heist and zombie. Yes very well and there's a lot of things to like about it but i think ultimately the cast is too large yeah so zack snyder likes sure yeah 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 the size of the ensemble makes it difficult to give any of the plot lines enough room to breathe mm-hmm. and and therefore you feel kind of rushed through it mm-hmm. and you can tell that it's made to have a sequel because a lot of the zombie rules and zombie lore is really only very barely touched at mm. in in a way that makes you feel like oh later someone is going to expand on this so there we go we're kind of all anyway. lukewarm on zombies yeah. but now i'm thinking there's warm bodies and i zombie too oh which true. are both more major ones that i enjoyed so maybe i do like zombies yeah. so i just don't like shitty stories. here's the thing about that yeah. though i'm um, both i zombies and warm bodies and it kind of ties into this episode a little bit which i'll just very very lightly touch on Mm -hmm. but it's not zombies in the traditional sense Mm. it's like the humanizing of the zombie right so i see that kind of outside of the genre a little bit Mm -hmm. it's kind of an outlier that's very fair yeah yeah Yeah. today's episode is season two episode four children shouldn't play with dead things the one where the incel gets one over on the chad this episode was written by Royal Tucker and directed by Kim Manners and originally aired on October 19th, 2006. Almost right in time for Halloween. <laughs> nice. Perfect timing. I am really interested in the fact that they don't reveal that her boyfriend had cheated on her until like halfway through the episode. Yeah. So this cold open, what it really feels like is her boyfriend is like violent Violent, and and abusive in some capacity but especially violent because the first thing we see him do is shove neil when neil opens the door and it's just wild to me because like the way that she is reacting is so intense and afraid yeah the fear it's the fear yeah and and then when it's like oh well he cheated on her i'm like yeah it's really are you sure that was all that happened yeah not that I've known a lot of people who have cheated on people, but if we're looking at other tropes mm-hmm. where it's like the man has cheated on the woman in a movie, they're they're usually not like, I want to talk to her. Let me talk to her. <laughs> they're like, baby, I'm sorry, baby. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, there's a right. begging. There was like no begging. It was very... Storm the door. Here's right. the thing. I would actually be remiss to think that he was not physically abusive yeah. with that attitude. I know that's not what we're supposed to take away, but it was just so Maybe. poorly done. Yeah. True. I think like I think this episode has several moments where it leads you in one direction mm-hmm. yes maybe purposely and then jerks you mm-hmm. the other way 
And I felt like this might be one of them. Yeah, my first note is, yay domestic abuse! Woo! <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, not a fun cold open. No. Also, the lighting in Nebel's house is horrible. I could not <laughs> tell if they were 18 or 45. Yeah, like in yeah. Uh, season one, uh, mm-hmm. Nightmare. It was a very similar vibe. That guy is just, just, how old are you, sir? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But I will say, after she jumps out the window, I, like, it was so hard not to cackle at that product placement. Because, like, so she pulls out the pink razor phone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Nice. And so, which we, of course, everyone wanted in 2006. Mine was silver. Mm -hmm. I had the pink one, thankfully. (gasps) You bitch. Right? (laughs) But uh, she has this very violent crash because we can't just, you know... Have it said that she's dead. We have to physically see her head like rattle around. Oh, all the yeah. Blood. And the blood dribbling out of her the mouth. The blood dribbling out of her mouth. But then the fucking razor falls perfectly. And it's like, <laughs> she didn't survive the crash, but that razor. Okay, but that's so true about those phones. <laughs> that though. is very true. Those are like indestructible. Yes. I used to throw mine repeatedly off my second story balcony onto concrete. That sounds like you. You were insane. It never broke. Never. You're crazy. Every- <laughs> I, every day I learn something new about you, and I am even more terrified. Oh I love that. But yeah, it just seemed really unnecessary, mm-hmm. but here we are. It's here supernatural. Are. It just seems like that's the precedence they want to set. Right. Oh, yeah. Moral of the story with that cold open, distracted driving is a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> that's all I learned. <laughs> Oof. So... We have the boys are kind of going having a little back and forth about visiting their mother's grave. Yeah. You know, I think this is an interesting moment because they bring up extended family, which they've never yeah. done before. Yeah. Ever. They haven't even talked about grandparents before. Yeah. And Dean's like, something, something about our uncle. And we're like, who? <laughs> Yeah, I was really curious if, like, that's going to become a character or a thing. I'm going to spoil that one for you now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, literally, it would have been so much easier to just pretend their parents are only children. Right. Why did they need to bring... It just felt so random. It just also... I had to roll my eyes a little bit because I was like, oh, my God, when are we going to stop having episodes that revolve around John because I immediately was like more grief never never the ghost of John will haunt us forever and I am only a little bit kidding when I say that Uh, yeah I I wouldn't be kidding (laughs) oof seriously they evoke their dad so much so much and it's also centered around him it, because even visiting the mom's grave is not about like respect for their mom or missing their mother. It's right. about it's the about loss the fact of their that, father. Yeah, it's about the fact that John died. Yeah. Both, like, and even Sam says, well, now that dad's dead, it feels like time. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, yeah. does this mean that they've like known where her grave was, mm-hmm. but they've never been to it? And I get grief brings stuff up. Sure. But it's just the most, like, refrigerator trope of this mom only exists connected to the men. Yeah. And dead. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, we're just not setting a good precedence for how we treat women very early in this episode. Well, this episode in particular, I think, just goes hog wild with the misogyny. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 
I actually wanted to bring up in this scene too with the back and forth. I actually sure. think um, Jared Padalecki's acting is incredibly good in this episode. Yeah. Except for this scene. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's so weird. I think like this scene is very, we're doing the exposition of the episode. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I think whenever they drift into those kinds of scenes, like it can be a little wooden. But part of the reason for that is because people don't fucking talk like that in real life. So, and I mean, not to say that, you know, in the scenes that are better and more emotionally impactful, people don't often talk like that in real life either. But they're able to make it feel like that's how people talk. Whereas stuff like this, no one is like talking back and forth to each other about details that they already know. Yeah. in, In that kind of a way. So it's just... On top of that, I think the fact that Sam, in not this scene as much, but somewhat in this scene, and then more in the one after, Mm -hmm. is being very direct about Mm. saying, these are the emotional stakes (laughs) of Dean's character in the episode. It's like, it's kind of hard to be immersed in the moment like that. Jasper says they're a Dean apologist, but they're a Sam apologist because they're afraid of Sam women coming after us. That's not true. I genuinely I know, I'm like Sam. <laughs> and they're called Sam girls, Allie. I know. I said Sam women. I'm, only and I'm in like, this two isn't and I know right. This. Yeah. What the fuck, Allie? <gasps> No, you're the one. Like, stop picking on me. <laughs> you're just saying that because you don't like Sam. I'm gonna fight you. Do it. Do it. No, I'm scared. <laughs> I, yeah, this one, it just felt so, like, awkward and disjointed, and I don't blame Padalecki for that. It, no, the writing I literally think it's the dialogue mm-hmm. itself, yes. and it's just Sam's dialogue, yes. too. Yes, Dean's was fine, yes. <laughs> mostly. It's really weird, because Dean seems to really hide in his feelings, and, like, he lets his feelings out through his actions. We're kind of seeing that Sam projects and, like, needles Dean a lot. <laughs> I think... Sam doesn't like the way that Dean processes mm. his feelings mm-hmm. and Sam wants to encourage Dean to process the way that he does yes. instead. Sam needs to talk about things out loud and say how he's feeling. Dean needs to do stuff and be distracted and yeah. then bring it up on his own time indirectly. But he doesn't like it because he feels close mm-hmm. out of Dean's emotional yes. experience, but still has to deal with the fallout of whatever crazy bullshit that D- Dean is doing. It's hard because I think, like, it's still somewhat in character. It's just we haven't had enough time or space really, for Sam to get to a point where it feels appropriate for him to be this direct about it. Especially after the previous episode where they had just figured out the whole, like, Dean was, like, hitting him. Yes. Because he was upset. And then Sam was like, no, I'm not going to hit you back. Like, they just did that. And then they're dragging it back into this episode. Yep. This very much seems like, and I think this is a thing with older TV, like a season that's written so individually each episode, while TV today does take more of like the overall growth of characters into account, Mm. because it feels like we almost get a reset with like every episode. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I think considering how completely in denial about, like, his internal grief process Dean was in Mm. Bloodlust 
versus this episode where he is acting out a lot and then finally verbalizes what's on his brain. Like, there is still forward movement in the character development, and we do know that the overarching story right now is overcoming grief. So I think, you know, while it's not, we're still thinking about Gordon Walker and the vampires Mm -hmm. and what are we going to do about that in the future, I don't know. I think it's a little more in the middle. You know the fanfic I want? (laughs) What? I want the platonic fanfic of Dean coping with grief and the moms from sex education. Literally just their therapy sessions. You had me at Jillian Anderson. Oh, wow. You just, like, killed me. (laughs) All right, so we end up in the cemetery to visit Mary's grave. Mary Winchester, Mama Winchester. Yeah, and it's interesting to me how Sam buries the dog tag. So mm-hmm. he's having a funeral for his dad at his mom's mm-hmm. grave. Like, on the one hand, it's, like, sweet because he is, like, making a gesture of reuniting them. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, even visiting her grave is about yeah. about John. Mm-hmm. So it's very, like, ooh. I also love how he, quote-unquote, buries them, like, half an inch into the ground. Right. They'll just come back up the because of oxygen. The lawnmower's gonna oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even thought everywhere. about that. <laughs> You're gonna kill some poor, like, groundskeeper or, like, shred his fucking feet with yeah. these pieces of, of metal. Oh, poor guy. Why are you always bothering the working class, Samuel? <laughs> just kidding. I do like in this scene that not only is Dean ignoring Mary's grave, he's looking at a stranger's grave, a dad's grave. It says something about dadliness on it. I yeah, forget. I had noticed that as well. I'm like, we're really just making this all about John all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Rest in dadliness. <laughs> I shut up. I couldn't remember no, what the I love fuck it, it said. Fully support it. <laughs> well, and I think like having seen the episode before and then, you know, reflecting on it after finishing the episode, mm-hmm. it's really clear what's going on in his head. He's like, I should be in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my dad should not be. And I think as to not like visiting Mary's grave mm-hmm. himself looking at it, there's probably some measure of guilt there too. Yes. Like I have to wonder if he feels like he let her down by, yeah. like, somehow... I mean, he thinks it's his fault that his dad is dead, but yes. obviously it's fucking John's fault, because he's an asshole. Because yep. <laughs> it's John. Because it's Sean. But, but of course you carried that grief and trauma. Yeah. So it's, like, such a such a double whammy. Poor mm-hmm. little dude. Just want to yeah. give him a hug. I do feel bad for him. And we kind of see some repeated behavior as well with Dean as when he's grieving, he's looking to throw himself into his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we saw that with the Impala. Yes. And then as soon as it was fixed, he was like, okay, gotta go do something. Gotta hunt. And he even starts making connections to mm-hmm. a possible, something strange in the cemetery itself when he finds the unholy ground. <laughs> I love that he just decided to call it that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's intuitive, obviously. Yeah. I and but he's just like, oh, rotting ground inexplicably must be unholy. Must be unholy. <laughs> I do want to point out that this whole scene really well showcased some early seasons Dean jewelry. Yes, the necklace. Yeah. So on Shiny. top of the Samulet. 
which is usually the only necklace that he wears. He also has, like, the bead chain, Mm -hmm. which, oh my gosh, those were so popular in the 90s. All I could think was, little grunge baby. (laughs) Um, And then he has that little wooden bracelet with the skulls on it. (laughs) I love all that tiny little stuff. I wish that it was more consistent later in the series. And I love when he's thinking about death and him thinking about him being the one who should be dead, that he has death iconography on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't help but think the bead chain also looks very similar to the kind of chain that would have military Mm -hmm. tags on it. It's very good little details. I think after this, they go to the college to visit Angela's father. They're just like, I was Angela's friends. It's just so weird how, like, easily they're allowed into spaces. Because it's like, Mm. he's at work. I'm sure he doesn't want to, like, talk about his daughter who just died. But, you know, he invites them in. He's nice. And then they get talking a little bit, and Dean finds the book. Which, did you look up anything on the symbols? No, I didn't catch the book title or anything. It's Greek. Yeah, okay, it was Greek symbols. And I actually do have a tie to Greek. Because Greek, they didn't have the word zombie, but they're the first that we have signs that they were afraid of the dead resurrecting themselves. Mm-hmm. Because they even started with uh, pinning bodies down with rocks and heavy objects. Right, yeah. So I didn't know if that was related. It feels like a bit of a stretch, but I just wanted to know that. It's probably related. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering the fact that they return to the idea of physically forcing a body to mm-hmm. stay in the ground as True. the solution for keeping Angela dead, mm-hmm. um, I think. They literally say that she needs to be pinned to her Mm -hmm. coffin. Yeah. So they don't use like the term nailing or staking. I think they do say staking. Well, so they say they think that's where staking came from. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we discussed. (laughs) Which is what we discussed last season for Dead Man's Blood. Yeah. Mm hmm. Lots of good vampire tidbits in that one if you Mm -hmm. missed that episode. Can I talk for a second about the name Angela here? Because I was thinking about it a lot. Given the fact that she's costumed always in white, Mm -hmm. even in the video that Matt is watching, in her scene in the cold open, she's wearing white, and she's wearing a white dress throughout Mm -hmm. the episode. You get, like, this sense of childishness or, like, innocence from it, or Mm -hmm. purity, Mm -hmm. obviously, But because her name is Angela and they're all talking about what a nice person she is and even Dean at some point jokingly refers to her as like a little angel. I love that they chose that name specifically to point to like a holiness or innocence, spiritualism, Mm -hmm. things like that when she turns out to be so completely violent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so fun. And that's one of the only positive things I'll say about the actual case part of the storyline this episode. (laughs) He didn't even like specifically says like, I don't think Angela is as nice as everyone says she is. Yeah, like, her diary is all, like, way too nice, and her roommate is like, she's great. Yeah, and it almost feels like those people that, after death, everyone's like, they were the best person and the Mm -hmm. kindest person, and you're like, how true can that really be? Right. But it's hard to say, too, because we only see Angela Mm -hmm. through the eyes of men. Yes, exactly. You mean every woman in this entire TV show? <laughs> yes. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, either through the eyes of men or we see her a little bit through her 
roommate. Right. But their their relationship is like the classic, you know, women competing over men. Like another deeply misogynistic trope. So you don't even really get a woman's perspective on Angela in that scene. You get like a man's perspective of a jealous dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. And even the roommate on her own, Mm -hmm. when it's just Dean interacting with her, it's like the other end of the crazy girlfriend trope. Like Mm -hmm. Angela is intense and violent and Lindsay is a fucking mess and is like (laughs) sobbing. And we know that she's a hoe. Yeah. So it's like, wow. (laughs) They're the only two women in this episode. It's kind of like what we've talked about. Oh, no, there's a third one. Mary, who's dead. Oh, true, true. Who's only mentioned briefly. She might as well be the uncle at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Mary. (sighs) It's just like what we talked about last episode. We're like... The thing is, is if you're only going to show women and have it be mm-hmm. really misogynistic views of women, like there has to be some level of someone saying no or like pointing yeah. this out. It's just so unfortunate. So I do want to talk about we get back after the college and here I think we get the, the beginning of Sam. Really pushing yeah. Dean verbally. Yeah. If we're going to ignore, like, some of the woodenness that happens here in terms of, like, the dialogue, the scene is really interesting to me because I think Sam's perspective here and his assumptions about Dean aren't unfounded, Mm. although they're wrong in this case to a certain extent. He rightly thinks that Dean is transferring, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's just he guesses so wildly wrong about what. Yeah, he's. I don't think he. Yeah, he's realizing that it's like a survivor's guilt scenario, mm-hmm. right? It's not just grief. Yeah, and I think there is something really condescending here about him saying, "Well, because you're focusing so much on having to find something to do, you're obviously making things up." Yeah, <laughs> that really aggravates True. me in this moment. It's kind of like gaslighting. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far, especially because he does drop it. Yeah, that's true. As soon as Dean is like, like "Well, no. what about this stuff?" Mm-hmm. I just hate like the assuming other people's feelings. It pisses yeah. me off so much. Right. Yeah, and I think you know between siblings, like communicating emotions can be kind of hard, especially when you're pretty close in age. Yeah. Like my next closest sibling is four years younger than me, so I totally understand like the dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in in any case, there's also this moment which we briefly mentioned earlier, where Sam is like, "Do you want to hit me again?" And he's like actually genuinely offering. And that moment kind of disturbs me. Yes. Yes. I'm like, first off, don't offer to do that. Second off, that's alarming Mm -hmm. that you can say that like it's normal. And it makes me worry about your childhood if you think hitting people when you're mad is something normal. So, again, I'm having angry John thoughts. Yes. And, to a certain degree, angry Dean thoughts, because he did just do that Mm -hmm. in the last episode. I just have poor boy thoughts. Oh, yeah, no. Poor boys. Definitely. I just, Mm -hmm. I get cranky about it. I'm like, they don't deserve this, and it Mm -hmm. makes me angry. Speaking of frustrating, the next scene was kind of frustrating to me. 
because we had Matt sitting in his home and the first time we see Matt he's very violent and aggressive Mm. so we assume I think it would be fair to say that he was but now he's sitting he's really somber and he's watching old videos of his Angela that he obviously cared about so much so much even the video is kind of alarming because she's like haha no stop and he's like hmm no like in the video Mm -hmm. and then he's like talking about how harmless she is and everything like obviously they're laying it on thick yes but it's still it still seems to me to speak to an extremely unbalanced power dynamic and it's alarming Mm -hmm. yeah i will say i do love a campy blood splatter against us oh oh totally i was very happy for him to die to be honest bye chad Bye. I do love the transition into the next scene, though, where we see Angela in the TV. Mm. So that's kind of like the indicator that she's there to kill mm-hmm. him. We don't know right. that she's like a zombie yet. Mm-hmm. We at this point, she could be a spirit. And then when Dean is in the apartment in Lindsay's apartment in the next scene and he sees Lindsay also wearing white in the reflective surface, I was like, that was cool. And the reflective surface also was an image of Angela. Yes. Yeah. Which does lead one to think about the ways in which Lindsay and Angela are similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of took it as a comparison between Lindsay and soulless Angela. Right. Which is just crappy things to say about women in general it makes me I see so you're saying that they were relating a Lindsay type to a soulless heartless woman mm. yeah and specifically Angela without the soul because that's what a zombie is uh-huh and so she's literally living in the reflection but then also she's the version of Angela the pretty woman that's missing the being a good person which I'm not advocating for like, no, absolutely not. Sleep I with think, whoever yeah. you want. But I think that they put that, and it made me really uncomfortable. Because, like, don't sleep with your friend's partners, so, like, unless everyone's open and clear about it. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, all for consensual mm-hmm. non-monogamy, but, like, first off, that's a huge breach of trust if people aren't talking about it. And also, it's medically dangerous because mm-hmm. you don't know, like, even if someone doesn't actively have an STD mm-hmm. or something, like, they could be a carrier. Like, yeah. that's a good way to get HPV, just saying. And that's your PSA for today. (laughs) Use protection. Everyone talk to each other. Fuck whoever you want in those parameters. Yeah, and stop calling people who sleep, specifically women who sleep around whores. Like, it's not like... Okay, I'm going to keep doing that, but only to my friends. And literally, you're not doing (laughs) it from a place of condemnation. Right. So, like, please call us whores, Jasper. If I call my friends, like, a whore or a slut, that's, like, that's affectionate. I'm like, go you. Like, fucking get it. (laughs) Good for you. And why do the roommates always have to be in their underwear every time the boys go to houses? Oh, my God. Yeah, she was wearing something pretty similar to uh, what Jessica was wearing in episode one. This episode loves women in vulnerable positions. So, I guess to talk about another gag, um, after this, Dean gets back to the hotel room and walks Mm -hmm. in on Sam watching a dirty (laughs) movie. In season one, Sam is very sex-averse, it seems, just on the whole, uh, with the exception, maybe, of um, with Sarah Blake in episode 19, Provenance. Season two definitely backs up from that a bit and is like... Sam has a sexuality. 
See, this one, I felt like it read the most asexual any scene has to me. Yeah. Because he's just, like, chilling in the TV's, like, at Casa, whatever. It's Casa Erotica. Casa Erotica. And he's like, yeah. Cool. Yeah, actually, I agree, but slightly mm-hmm. disagree. Because, so what I was saying before is what I think, like, the intent is. Mm, What's true. happening in the scene is, like, he doesn't seem passive. He seems, like, in deep concentration. Like, he's seriously studying. Yes. His whole body language is very, Mm -hmm. like, tensed and, like, small. And, like, his shoulders are hunched Mm -hmm. over. And I'm just like, this is, I don't know. Okay. Like, he just (laughs) doesn't seem like the body language of someone who's watching porn. Yeah. (laughs) Or into it. Or into it at all. (laughs) So it's just, like, very... Literally, he wasn't erect, but also his body wasn't erect. (laughs) He's literally, like, crumpled over. Right. (laughs) I do like that Dean, he switches it as soon as that door opens, and Dean somehow knew. Dean always knows. He knows. It's so funny to me, too, because usually he's egging him on, like, go hit on that girl, Mm -hmm. watch some porn at the motel while I'm gone, blah, blah, blah. And he seems slightly, like, irritated by it or, like, uncomfortable. Not in Mm -hmm. the first moments when he, like, walks in, but then when he's closer to the TV and he sees, like, the little brochure advertisement for it on top of the TV, he looks at it and kind of scrunches his face up. To me, it felt like the other week I told someone... Oh, I've been waiting all week to get in a fight with you and then actually got in a fight with him that night. So it <laughs> feels to me like the type like where you're like, oh, yeah, go hit on that woman. Go do this, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as they do, you're like, oh, God, that actually worked. <laughs> like, mm. Did not intend to follow through on that. I guess the other thing you can assume is just it's like, oh, your sibling, you don't want to think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's always so pushy. There's also, there's some tension between Sam and Dean in this episode. And sometimes when you're mad at someone, like every little thing they do will irritate you. It oh, yeah, that's be true. Very that vibe. Yeah. Dean is really smart in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's not just being clever about the case, like the thing with making up the lie about the ritual on the spot. And being, like, really quick to come up with a fake name. Yeah. He's also really emotionally intelligent this whole mm-hmm. time. Like, he knows exactly what Sam is trying to say about transference without Sam actually saying the word and then throws it back in his face later. And he puts together the whole case by himself, all of the weird social dynamics of it. Just from looking at a diary and talking to a crying girl. True. Well, do you think that kind of has something to do, too, within the beginning when Dean feels like his integrity as a hunter Mm. is being attacked by Sam? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I just thought it was interesting. I almost kind of... He does it by himself because of the fact that he was annoyed at Sam. But the fact that he's able to do it by himself, I think, speaks to a level of emotional intelligence Mm. when there wasn't a whole lot of other evidence to go on. I really like Dean in this episode, especially Mm -hmm. for that reason. I don't know. It's really interesting for his emotional intelligence to be challenged by Sam this episode. Mm -hmm. And then it comes through so strongly that he's actually really in control. And I also really like the fact that I've mentioned it before. I just like when they feel like they're good at what they do. Yes. And like Dean in this episode, yeah, was like he was out to prove that he's good at what he does. Yeah. You know who wasn't? John. What's dead should stay dead. Yeah, John, stay down there. 
in hell take you to the ground yeah so we were talking a little while ago about angela's wardrobe and her name and the way she's presented by people as we learn about her before we meet her and how you know the image we get of her is like this very like innocent and like charming and nice person but then in the next scene where they meet neil posing as grief counselors (laughs) totally unconvincing and he reveals that matt had cheated on angela that's where i think it starts to feel like they're leading you to think it's like a woman in white thing Mm -hmm. which is another moment where i felt like the narrative was specifically trying to make you think it was one thing when it was actually another so like the cold open makes you think there's physical abuse happening Mm -hmm. and then it's elucidated that he was cheating and like maybe her reaction was super wild and then here they start showing her like this revenge ghost that we've seen before and that sort of continues Mm -hmm. on for a little while in the episode yeah i enjoy a misdirect me too yeah i am gonna say just psa to anyone living in the supernatural universe, can we stop burying women in these white ass baby doll dresses? Oh my god. Like, there's other dresses out there. Yeah, I will say, like, the cut of that dress was just of the time. Yeah. It was really bad. Like, why the fuck's she wearing petticoats or whatever? Like, yeah. I was like, girl, like, what the fuck? I, also, sense. though, I don't understand why at least 65% of the women in these episodes are wearing white all the yes. time. I understand the signal, okay? I get it. It's, like, about purity and innocence, blah, blah, blah. But when you're doing it like every other episode, it gets every to be a lot. Episode. And could you give a woman a personality other than that? Right, exactly. Like, there isn't like a fucking binary between like purity and sluttiness going on. Like, come on. Women are a little more dynamic than that. It just kind of feels like women are as much of like monsters as the mm-hmm. creatures yes. are in this universe. Yes. It's so unfortunate. Bringing it back to Jeffrey Jerome Cohen's seven monster theses. It feels like this episode, I wanted the one sentence summary to be the one where they say, women be crazy. Honestly, that would be a great one for this, except Mm -hmm. that it would also be every other fucking episode. And then I have to think, too, with the way they misdirected us with Chad Matt's character. (laughs) (laughs) So I get that her reaction was like that of someone being physically abused, and that was what Mm -hmm. we were originally supposed to think, but are we supposed to now be endeared to him that we found out he was cheating and her reaction was too, like, bombastic for someone who was being cheated on yeah like how is this new information supposed to change our opinion of angela or matt or like whatever else i don't like the idea that narratively we're now supposed to suddenly be like hating on her for some reason everything kind of feels a little justified (laughs) a lot of times except for like in the first episode where she was like drowning her damn children (laughs) a lot of times with these women i'm like you go girl yeah yeah all those fuckers yeah i'm like get them fuck it you know but like they do such a good job selling us the abuse and Mm. the the weird power dynamic that i i don't believe it when neil is like oh matt cheated on her and even if he did he still deserves to die 
still a douchebag. Uh, like, Allie said, anyone who is remotely douchey, dead. Dead to me. Yeah. I think maybe we just... Him. I think maybe we just have extremely high standards for how men should behave. Or we had extremely low standards. <laughs> like, now I feel like we just expect don't be a total abusive dick. Right. Like, and back then we're like, oh, but, like, he loved her. Did he, though? In his way. Exactly. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah, it kind of made me feel like that what they were trying to get at is, like, Angela just wasn't grateful enough. Uh Or, like... Yeah. I don't know. It just was icky. Because, well, the thing is with, like, monster stories, people write what they fear, Mm -hmm. and these writers definitely fear women. Yep. I do want to talk a little bit about this um, interaction with Neil. Yeah. And then that's what leads us to digging up Angela's body. Oh, yeah. and Sam says the phrase ripe rotting body in a coffin. <laughs> Didn't we talk about how long it takes a body to fully decompose? Yeah. What did we say that was? It was it, it was on the temperature and how it's stored. Yeah, it was a lot less time than you we expected. Think. But if she was prepared, well, she would have. Yeah, she she was in mm-hmm. like a really nice casket, so yeah. she was probably chemically treated. Yeah, she's probably about six to ten feet under, and mm-hmm. she's in a box which doesn't have a lot of exposure mm-hmm. to oxygen or insects or dirt or other yeah. things. So yeah, she was probably kind of juicy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which, I mean, we know that she was juicy <laughs> because we see her. <laughs> so they dig up the coffin. We see the symbols, which we had seen previously mm-hmm. in her dad's office. I do love here talking about another moment of levity in this episode when Sam is like talking about digging up the body mm-hmm. and he's like, are you high? <laughs> I just love that the reaction Dean has is not to be like, well, no, he like considers like he thinks about mm-hmm. it a little bit. He's like, am I high? <laughs> Sam has like really good lines in this episode when it's not emotional. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I totally agree. Have you been watching too much Romero? Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't do the pop culture references nearly as much. So I feel like it hits really good when Sam gets one off like that. But no, the are you high thing just makes me real salty because I really think we deserved Stoner Dean. Yes. Um, At least in the early seasons. Like the amount that it's alluded to that he's had a colorful history with (laughs) doing drugs. It's just not fair. Mm -hmm. It's just not fair. But oh well. Oh, well. So after this, he, they visit her father, and yeah. that's when he's accused. And but he's um, like, what the fuck? When they're outside, that, like, really interests me. So obviously they're in kind of a tense situation. The police are going to be called and possibly on their way fairly quickly. And I feel like Sam kind of uses that tension to kind of force Dean to talk about his feelings a little mm. bit. I don't know. Maybe I think what's going on here is that Dean finally snapped. Okay. When they were in that guy's mm. house. And Sam is like, what the fuck? I think he's just like, I don't know how to deal with you right now. And I actually really enjoy that one line he has when he's finally, like, getting control over the conversation. When he's like, we've lost dad, we've lost mom, I've lost Jessica, and now mm-hmm. am I going to lose you too? Mm-hmm. It's what I was talking about earlier. He is actually just vocalizing exactly what it's what's on his mind. Yeah. 
and it's effective. Mm-hmm. It does get Dean to cool off even True. if he is being snide. Yeah. You know? And it also makes me so sad. Poor little Sammy. Poor Sammy. And I think, like, it's probably especially distressing for Sam, given that, of course, him and Dean are brothers first. Mm-hmm. But Dean has been a parent to Sam in some capacity. At least a certain degree of their relationship puts Dean in a position of mm-hmm. authority a little bit. You have younger siblings. You get it. So there's that. But then on top of that, being like a caregiver for Mm. somebody adds an additional layer. Mm. So I can't imagine like how helpless he must have felt in that moment, like really seeing Dean like lose it and Mm. not knowing how to like shake him out of it. But, but the scene before that, yeah, is when he says what's dead should stay dead. Correct, yes. When he's yelling at the dad. He also says something to the effect of she's been acting different Mm -hmm. since you brought her back. Like, alluding to the fact that you're irrevocably changed by having touched the afterlife. Or that whatever necromancy is used to resurrect someone changes them. Yes. And that fear in particular is one that, like, really, I'm like, ugh. Obviously, as viewers, we know that a deal had been made Mm -hmm. for Dean's life. But I can't help but in the back of my head, I was like, yes, what's dead should stay dead, John. Stay dead, you (laughs) motherfucker. Me too. (laughs) I don't want to see you. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Door shut. Yeah. Still, though, having watched the full episode, knowing that Dean is thinking about himself Mm -hmm. in that moment, not only is he feeling guilty about causing his dad to die, Mm -hmm. again, not his fault, but also he's got this internalized fear that something is wrong with him. Yes. And I'm like, no! (laughs) It's so much to cope with. It's too much. I would probably blow up, too. Mm -hmm. So we go from that hard, like, gut-wrenching scene to, in my opinion, a kind of roast scene. And tell me if I'm getting out of order here, but um, the interaction between zombie Angela and Neil, I feel like is playing into a really disgusting stereotype of, yeah. like, the woman knowing that the guy is into her and, like, using that mm-hmm. to, like, string him along. Yeah, I think it's not just the way that they show Angela and Neil together mm-hmm. and the way she's, like, clearly being manipulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the way Dean reads her diary and is like Oprah shrugging gif (laughs) about it. Yeah. Well, it's even like the way that she straddles him in that one scene. And it's almost implied that like sex is being used as a reward. It's just Mm. really disgusting to me. If we're kind of playing into like the pet cemetery zombie like coming back Mm -hmm. trope. There's Mm -hmm. also that the monster uses knowledge from the person who had died that they're kind of. Right. Because if they're quote unquote 
quote soulless they still have that memory of the person so it's almost then implied that Angela had known that Neil was in love with her and like had kind of used Neil and it falls into that gross place of if a woman doesn't like you back that's friend zoning which is then right. a lesser thing rather than just, like, women can choose who they're with. And if they're not right. with you, they don't owe you anything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Also that it's some kind of punishment yes. to be only friends with a woman. Like, what the fuck? You are blessed if she chooses you as a friend. That's possibly the most lesbian thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm just sick of like how we raise men and yeah, no. the patriarchy. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely in this episode that nice guys finish last. Yes. Except for in this situation. Yeah, this whole episode, I'm just like, poor Angela. Mm-hmm. She's really just a victim. Like what men fear in women. Like, the hysteria, the, like, using sex and being fake with women is, like, what's shown as fearful. Mm -hmm. But really, it's her womanhood that has been used to victimize her in this circumstance. It's just makes people bad Yeah, I mean, what I see is someone who is in at least a toxic, if not abusive, relationship Mm -hmm. with a man And then maybe she does know that this other guy has intense feelings for her. And in order to maintain that supportive relationship outside of her boyfriend to have someone who, like, gives a shit about her, she's having to weaponize that with body language. Like I said, it's intimate the way she, like, grabs his hand and he knows all the shit she likes and whatever. Like, women do do that sometimes, but that's, like, fucking survival. That's that's not malicious or anything. That's the fucking society that women live in. We have to use that stuff in order Mm -hmm. to navigate safely. So... survive like yeah 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 i don't know so like even when she's being like mega evil i feel bad for her because Mm -hmm. i understand this character as a puppet of a largely male writer's room in a largely misogynistic industry so can i tell you all the history of zombies because i think it builds with that yeah sure so zombie is from like 17th century haiti it is associated with slavery on sugar plantations. Yeah, it was like the pufferfish venom and also some kind of yeah. toad. Even before that. So originally the idea of zombie, it wasn't about like living dead. It was about resurrection. And like once you die, because that was the only escape, right. um, you finally get to go home. You get to go back. Mm. So it was the idea of resurrection as in like death is the only way out. Mm-hmm. Because half of the enslaved people were worked to death within the first five years, mm-hmm. which is horrific, obviously. And then in 1804, they fought and overthrew and were able to gain their freedom. And then it became like a legend and it became associated with the voodoo religion. And they did, they used this, like we call it now, like a zombie powder. And it was a mixture of like herbs, shells, fish, animal parts. And it had tetrodotoxin, which is the neurotoxin from pufferfish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would induce this almost zombie-like state. It was sublethal doses. You would have difficulty walking, confusion, respiratory problems. And it could even lead to coma if you had more or it would kill you. There's a book called Race, Oppression, and the Zombie, Mm -hmm. which I looked into a bit. And I recommend that because that ties back to the older history of it. 
And if you do look at the medical side, there are a few times in the world that there are cases where maybe they came back from death. And one was in Haiti, where three years later, she came back and they had like buried her with stones. Whoa. And so she was just like somewhere else chilling for three years. What the fuck? And then another man, Clarvis Narcissi, was in a coma. He died and he was buried. And then 18 years later, they were in another town and they're like, no, this is him. They brought more people. They all recognized him. And he's like, yeah, I was buried alive. So I just dug my way out. Jesus. in the 1960s. Wow. So there's some like very odd that might actually be cases, but it really changed more recently. So Mm -hmm. 1932, there was a movie called The White Zombie. And the reason it was called The White Zombie is because the person was white. So this originally wasn't this idea of a white person because zombie without an E in the 1800s was associated with a creature of African origins willingly serving. Yeah. So with that movie, White Zombie, it changed the race of the person. It's somewhat interesting. It is problematic in some obviously, ways. Obviously, obviously. This couple's going to marry on a plantation, and the plantation owner tries to seduce the woman who's getting married, and he uses zombie powder. So even in that one, it was back to the powder and the idea of that. And how insanely close is that actually to, to the fucking yeah. narrative of yeah. this goddamn episode? Yeah, it was so close. Jeez. And then zombies really changed, um, and they mentioned Romero because George Romero made Night of Living Dead in 68. Mm-hmm. The special effects were what terrified people because it was right when stuff started looking realistic. Yeah. Right. And he turned it into more of the rising from the ground, like stumbling, more traditional trope. Yeah. And he didn't even use the word zombie until the second one, which is 10 years later. Right. But it was still brought in race and it was a lot about civil rights. They had a black protagonist fighting against the zombies. And I thought of note, Zora Neale Hurston, who I love, said zombie is dead, but resurrected with no soul. They only do what they're told. So even if you look into the 1900s and mid to late 1900s, it carries that. It's been more recently with World War II and the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Mm. Both of those kind of contributed to it, but more so the 90s and 2000s, the change in technology. Mm -hmm. um, It's become a lot more about survival of the fittest and it is connected to the apocalypse because there are similar things in the bible there are times where things are reanimated and the like the body comes back together Mm -hmm. but specifically in the end times there are resurrection so while it doesn't say right zombie it's kind of like zombies so that's why it's often connected with the apocalypse and then it's kind of warped a little bit in modern time to be a fear of like chemicals technology Mm -hmm. vaccines like yeah now there's often a biological component to the fear most contemporary zombie Mm -hmm. genre is much more about pandemic than anything else and right before that between the voodoo and becoming about biological or like we created this problem there's the idea that I was used by specifically like evil men on people, which of course. Um, so I just think it's fascinating how it went through that timeline of changing little bits, like most things do. But this one especially has changed a lot in its perception and what causes it. So I just wanted to go through that a little. Obviously, since it's a word that meant something else and has been adapted, there's sure. no like these are the ten things every zombie has. <laughs> like, right. 
but I think it's even cooler when it's like that because it's so open to change. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways that you can work with that. Yes, make interesting stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where were we in the episode? The Angela Lindsay fight. That's right. I dislike it on principle yeah. because of everything else that's going on in the episode. But as an isolated scene, out of context, I love it. <laughs> it's choreographed very well. It, she is so freaky. Yeah. I, she's all like hunched over and like she bends her knees really high. So she has like almost an animalistic gait when she yeah. runs and jumps. And I love that she grabs the scissors to fight with. Yes. It's so bizarre. Oh. And then when they fall onto her, of course, they pierce her heart. Yes. But she doesn't have, like, a heart in the metaphorical yeah. sense. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. Speaking of metaphor, too, they're literally pitting woman against woman. Yeah. Yes. In this scene, which is so... Ugh. It's stupid. It's, it's stupid. so dumb. It's so dumb. Really, the villain here was never Lindsay. It was Mm-mm. always her fucking boyfriend. Chad and, Matt. Yeah, Chad Matt. And any adult woman in real life mm-hmm. would have that fucking perspective. <laughs> it's just, yeah, once again, with the clearly male-dominated industry. When I was watching it, the scissors are so rustic, too. I was like, yeah. why couldn't this be an 1800s zombie coming after you without all the toxic right. things? That would have been so fucking cool. That actress is really good at playing so a monster. Good. Like, oh, she Angela? sold it, yeah. Yeah, no, she did. Mm-hmm. I I believed it, I, especially as we continue on. De- like, she flees out the window mm-hmm. looking like a fucking raccoon. And then when they catch up to her, like, right before they get her in the ground, she is even crazier. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's like a fucking track star. Yeah. Yeah, she's fucking going. And, and once it was again, amazing. and like her big, her big like leap, yeah, and like all that stuff. I'm just like, what the shit? Like, I, she's scary. I love she's it. So scary. I kind of wish we could get more of this like magical style zombie. Yeah. Where it's not about like eating and consuming flesh. It's all about the soulless body that's just fucking roided out mm-hmm. track star. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting revenge. Yeah. Like that's all i want well i guess that's all women want in supernatural they just want to wear white dresses and get some good old vengeance fair true i mean if i were a woman in supernatural i'd be dead i would want vengeance on everyone as well yes (laughs) like the circumstances they create around women call for it so can we talk about how problematic the next scene is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was when they go they go to see Neil in his TA yes. office, right? Sam and Dean show up and they explain to Neil that like he messed this up, but mm-hmm. like he can set this right. He can help them with the ritual. Undo- the ritual that he made up on the spot. That he made up on the spot mm-hmm. that will undo his mess. And of course, we find out that Angela is listening from like a closet mm-hmm. or something. And then this is what makes me sad. Neil gets his redemption arc. He went and he resurrected Angela all willy-nilly so he could finally have her. (laughs) And then, like, once he's like, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. It's like, oh, so Angela's like, this man is no longer serving me. Right. Because, of course, I was only using my feminine wiles to get something out of him. Right. And neck snap. It was a good neck snap. It was a good neck snap. 
I think it's interesting that they played with the idea of zombification Mm -hmm. in the power dynamic. Like, Mm -hmm. who was really a slave to who? Yeah. Like, he resurrected her essentially to be a sex toy, a sex slave. And she was manipulating him into doing all of her dirty work for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just being her slave in the day-to-day. It's an interesting thought but the execution would have to be so much better than this yes. in order to make it work. Yeah. Welcome to Supernatural. Yeah. Well, and I actually disagree that that was Neil getting redeemed there. I think that was him getting um, his comeuppance, karmic retribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he messed with the forces of life and death, and they got him back. Yes. Yeah, and if he brought her back for sex, like, yeah, kill him. Yeah. Cool. I think we're supposed to feel a little bad for him. You know, he's Mm. got, he's got like a very innocent looking face and the big sad eyes. And those are the men I hate. He's like, I'm the nice guy and I care so much about her. Like, I think we are supposed to think he actually had better intentions than just her being a sex doll. But I don't read it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> and, like, she didn't show interest in you. She wasn't with you. Like, you're just making this about you, dude. I just keep thinking about that diary entry. Like, she <laughs> genuinely thought he was, like, a nice person. Yes. Right. And then, like, for it to be shown that, no, she's actually, like, using. Right. She's mani- mm-hmm. It's just so weird. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's uncomfortable. This final scene, though. Yes, oh my god. Like we were saying, the crazy running and the leaping and the weird animal legs and the... I feel like my inner energy is her, like, flying through the forest. Yeah, she's, like, booking it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they had Jared not run as fast. But he looks like he's going at it still. Yeah. She catches up to him in, like, half a second. (laughs) I love how Dean baseball slides... Yes! Into the grave! I thought it was cute. Why is this whole scene so fun? It's more fun than it should be. It it really is. Yeah. And, like, he, like, leaping on top of her like that yeah. with, the, with the stake. It is a really disturbing moment, though. So disturbing. Because she's like, please don't. Yeah, I'm really in here. I mean, like, in the mm. casket. I mean, mm. that, too. Yeah. Like, she is. Yeah she does have awareness of herself i think we're supposed to take away in that moment like dean doesn't really see it because obviously she's kind of an allegory for his Mm -hmm. survivor's guilt yeah so it's kind of like hey i'm really in here Mm -hmm. and dean's like it doesn't matter what's dead should be dead right exactly and it's just interesting to have this as the follow-up to bloodlust Mm -hmm. which was all about seeing the humanity in the monsters and there's you know, when she says to Sam, I'm really in here, and then he shoots her in oh the my head, God. and she's like, okay, now I'm a creepy monster. <laughs> I almost like, kind of wonder if this episode would be better before Bloodlust. That's a good thought. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. That's that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because then it could be like, oh, there's no soul, but find the humanity. Like, that would be a happier. Yeah, it would be. It would be a slightly more hopeful Uh progression. 
But, you know, that's just not how these things go. True. In this show. And I wish they had had, like, her look at peace literally at all. Oh, yeah, no. She just looks like a statue human being. Like, yeah. that yeah. was really upsetting. Oh, that reminds me. Mm-hmm. In the cold open, she says on the phone, how could you? Yeah. I loved you. And then she says the same thing to Neil right before snapping his neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was really disturbing because, once again, it seems to be saying that the emotions of the original girl were somehow fake or yeah overblown or something those women folk they just want a little attention you know better watch out though because like they'll snap your neck good (laughs) they should (laughs) and now we get to off the road with supernatural oh my gosh because they pull off the highway (laughs) yes good one Allie. (laughs) thank you i had to is that where we get, like, the view of Mary's grave for the last time? Oh, no. That's yeah, a- they have the graveyard. They have the grave scene before, before they pull Before, you're right. Highway, yeah. Towards the end of the episode, we have the final pan of Mary's grave. And I was just, like, I don't know. There's something about, like, driving away and showing a tombstone that they we're supposed to get, like, some kind of feeling of, like, something being settled or, like, something being left behind. I don't know. I didn't feel, like, any strong like impact in the showing of the grave if anything i'm just like oh so we're using mary as a vehicle one last time just gotta get it in there one more time right true i mean he at least was able to look at it yeah true which he wasn't doing before he was specifically looking at a stranger's headstone yeah it showed growth but like not much more than that a little a teeny bit a teeny So when we get the final scene, they sit on the hood and we get the revelation that Dean knows that John had made a deal with the demon. Not the particulars, but... Not the particulars. But that's something happened. Yeah, yes. he's put two and two together. Yeah, we get the end line. What could you possibly say to make that all right? And yeah. I love that they leave it at that and just zoom out. Yeah, there's nothing to be said no. after that. The rolling man tear. And it's interesting, like, that's two episodes in a row where they've utilized silence really, really effectively, I think. Yeah, I agree. They don't often do that, so I think it stands out especially. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very glad that we had this final scene, because it was, Mm -hmm. like, one of the few things, in my opinion, that really saved this episode, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the case itself and everything to do with it were just Mm -hmm. so garbage yeah it's really the the character beats were the core mm-hmm. yeah can i say because we didn't talk about it i think this is the first appearance of the horrible sam shirt that i hate oh yeah the, sam the shirt. horrible sam shirt it's the white button down one but not buttoned down all the way mm. it's it's somewhat like a poet shirt in that regard that it only buttons down to maybe an inch or two above the belly button. It's white. A little off-white, too. It's a little Mm off-white because it has, like, the weird shadow Mm -hmm. of the inside red parts. So it's got, like, this contrastive red embroidery going on Mm -hmm. on the inside, so you only get the weird, like, texturized white-ish shape of it on the outside. And it, like, pops out red when he rolls his sleeves up. It is, hands down, the worst shirt that he wears in the entire series. And I've seen every single episode of the series... So I know. 
It is the worst one. Um, excuse me, what what about dog shirt? Shut the fuck! Don't <laughs> fucking talk about the purple dog shirt, Allie. I like the purple dog shirt. I've never shirt. been so afraid of Jasper in my life. I think that's the closest <laughs> we came to me getting hit. Wow. Don't talk about the purple dog shirt. <laughs> that shirt is incredible it's pretty bad it's just like but it has it has a certain charisma to it okay it like it compels me the purple dog shirt isn't trying to be fashionable it's just existing as a as an interesting graphic tee that doesn't make any sense this shirt is trying to do something with its weird color contrasting only inside paisley pattern blah 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 it's also just like incredibly unflattering on him yes it like washes him out really Mm -hmm. bad for like someone who's young and like has an athletic build it gives him like a weird shape (laughs) to his body i wouldn't even say he's athletic like that dude is muscular exactly we skipped the benders or you skipped it i've seen it yeah but, like, the Benders is the first real instance of... Shirtless Sam? No, because he's shirtless in Hell House. True. That's With the shower. Yeah. True. But it's the first instance of, like, the intensity of the jar pad mommy milkers oh. really fully on display. Damn. So what I'm saying is I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I just used that phrase. Yeah, I want to abort that knowledge from my <laughs> anyway yes it's unflattering it's an unflattering shirt (laughs) oof oof ready to yes yes are we ready to yes 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 um please what are we yessing uh the uh, fanfic fanfic? rating the yes the supernatural x inuyasha fanfic that i've been waiting for oh i'm so excited for whatever you chose you said it's weird it is it's a weird one it is a weird one i was a little grossed out by it to be honest Mm -hmm. yeah this one is it's gross and i thought that was really funny even (laughs) as my stomach turned a little bit because i skimmed it I did. I will willingly admit. This fic is called Rises and Falls. It's by Emerald Embers. Summary. Fate has a cruel sense of humor, but Dean won't let Castiel go. This is rated E. It is tagged, the archive warning, major character death. It is a Dastiel fic, and it does have Sam in it. (laughs) There are only three additional tags. Only three. (laughs) Tell us. Angst. Okay. Zombies. Okay necrophilia oh god no. <laughs> horny zombies everything's no, horny horny it's not it's it's not horny zombies it's really the other way around oh god horny for zombies <laughs> you didn't gather that from i know, the I know. <laughs> you know when something makes your entire lower half like clench up <laughs> <laughs> disgust in some sexual way that did it to be frank, I find this less gross than incest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not usually ranking incest. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I wake up and I'm like, hmm, which is worse, necrophilia or incest? I'm, I'm concerned that you think about that every day, Allie. <laughs> I mean, you're the one who has seen warm bodies out of all of us, so. It's but a- he gains his... <laughs> he gains his massive dick. <laughs> Rigor mortis dick. Oh. 
Yeah, I don't want to think are you about not, these why, routes. Why is, why is that your first reaction? You're supposed to be like, ugh. And your first reaction is, hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How would we rate this episode? Oof. I'm going to give it a two out of five, which may sound generous. But I'm going to give it one point for just the core of the brothers' relationship with each other and kind of that final moment with Dean. I thought it was really good. I like the subversion. Um, and then I'm going to give a one point to the good choreography and the scenes where Angela yeah. was in it. So I'll give it two out of five dead incels. <laughs> I'm going to give this episode... 1.5 pink razor phones out of five. Oh, cute. And I don't care about the other shit. The only reason it's getting that is because of that white woman running. Fucking track star. <laughs> Leap on more men. Yes. I want that horror movie. I think I'm going to give this surprisingly a higher rating than both of y'all. I'm going to give it a 2.5 old fashioned scissors oh, out of nice. five. I did really enjoy the action sequences in this. I thought, despite some of the more shaky, like, dialogue writing, mm. the character beats were really good. And I love explorations of grief. I'm a mm. glutton for grief stories. I don't know. I just have a need for that specific pain, apparently. I get it. Yeah, and I thought, honestly, all the acting was really mm -hmm. good in this yeah. episode, except for Matt or whatever. Chad Matt. Chad Matt. I like that we keep, like, smooshing people's Smoosh. names together, like, Pastor Father Pastor Slim Father Jim. Jim. <laughs> and now we have Chad Matt. Jordan, what do you think we'll have it next? Uh, more racism, more misogyny, because we're two for two. Fair. But... Oh, geez. Okay, so now that we have the realization that Dean somewhat knows about his predicament, I think it's time that they're going to get kind of serious about mm. hunting down the yellow-eyed demon. Mm. I know I've been saying that for, like, two episodes, but I think it's time that we have, like, a main story beat. Yeah. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. Is Meg still alive? No, we killed Meg, didn't we? Yeah, dang, I miss Meg already. <laughs> But I think we're, yeah, we're going to, we're going to find a town. The town's going to have some demons. Mm. Dean is going to take out some grieving aggression on some demon humans, but we'll find out that it was Sam that was grieving all along. <gasps> I love how specific this yeah. got. I'm, I'm this I want time. this episode. <laughs> Minus the misogyny and racism. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Bye. Bye. Bye.